and welcome to Sports and the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius, and this week my co-host and my buddy Chris, he's not here with me this week. He's in Los Angeles. He's taking care of business. Hopefully having a good time there. Hopefully he'll be back here next week, raring and ready to go with FSU and the Big Ten in good spirits. And, and you know, I miss him, but it's going to be a great episode nonetheless. But more importantly, if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, we both truly do appreciate it. Before I get into anything else, I do want to address the Antonio Brown situation. Antonio Brown was cut by the New England Patriots, like I told you so, because I said last week or two episodes ago, I said, listen, he may not play a down this year, or he's not going to play half the season. And that's simple because, folks, he's just not worth the headache. And as I talked about then, and I'll say it again now, sometimes your ego can supersede your talent. And to, at the end of the day, that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly and that's exactly what happened. His talent got taken over by his ego. And at the end of the day, you can't change that. Like people talk about like I say, people talked about Terrell Owens. And people can talk about Terrell Owens all you want to. Listen, his ego never got in the way of him being a great football player. And I feel that's the best equivalency. Not the whole Randy Moss thing. Randy Moss was essentially pissed because Oakland was terrible. And he got traded there and he was a model citizen. That let me further know that he wasn't being, he wasn't trying to get out of Oakland. It's just the, the culture in Oakland was just worth getting out of. And if you're Antonio Brown, listen, this is it. Because like I say, like I said, I said he was going to play not even a down or he was going to play half the season. He got one game in, good for him, because he's just not worth it. Because now his ego has superseded his talent. And at the end of the day, I don't care if how talented you are, how great you are. If your ego, if your ego gets in the way of your talent, you'll be out of the job, period. And that's exactly what happened. And... But for the record, I do want to say this. You know, I you know, once again, he's facing allegations. And we have to be very careful of that. Because like Chris, Chris said it very eloquently on the last episode. You know, listen, you're still innocent until proven guilty. And he's absolutely right. And I still stand by that. He's still innocent until proven I I concurred with Chris then and I concurred with him now. Because at the end of the day, New England just said from a personality perspective, from an image, from a brand perspective, he's not worth it. And he's not. And see, at the end of the day, Antonio Brown's worst enemy was Antonio Brown. Listen, in New England, they deserve a whole look. You know, listen, if there's two more parties in the situation, I can't put 100% on one side. In this situation, if I had to do a percentage, I would say that, listen, they knew New England knew what they were getting into. I could argue it's 50-50 that New England knew what he was getting into. 
but not necessarily they didn't know about these allegations from the from these now allegations now. So now, but Antonio Brown, listen, he is who he is. Listen, he deserves half the blame. So I'm gonna stick with the 50-50 because New England knew. New England knew they gave him a second chance. New England's downfall was like, look, we knew we got a game out of him. He's gone. Antonio Brown may not play a down in this league. Because, listen, New England, it's just like the kiss of death. When the Godfather gives you the kiss of death, that's it. The New England, look at the picture of the Godfather of the NFL. If you can't succeed in that locker room and in that structure, once you get there, and especially when it's when you're getting that second chance, I'm not talking about those who come in and free agency. I'm talking about those who come in who need second chances, like a Randy Moss, like a Corey Dillon, those who got second chances. And guess what? They finished. You know, listen, they had great careers. You listen, they got what they wanted and they left. Antonio Brown, if you can't make it here, you literally went in your career from. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you went to the doldrums in Oakland, you ended up in New England, you blew it. You don't deserve, listen, that's literally three chances. You had a chance to make it work in Pittsburgh, you want it out. Oakland, you want it out. New England, you get this is your third chance. And these allegations, they said, no, you're not worth it. Some people, just like I say in life. You know, it's, you know what Sting put it best. If you love somebody, set them free. Oh, New England loved Antonio Brown, but you got to set them free. Because sometimes some people aren't worth aren't worth it. Not because they're terrible and not because they're not talented, but because, listen, they're letting things get in front of them that are superseding on the field. And I think, you know, Chris Carter, who, who's on, who works with Fox Sports, you know, and, you know, he started his career at the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles cut him. And he said that it was the best thing that ever happened to him. He ended up with with the Minnesota Vikings, got that second chance, and became a Hall of Famer. Life gives you second chances, what you do with it. I hope Antonio Brown sits down and realizes how blessed he was to be in that organization. Because quite frankly, they didn't need you. You were just another you were just another tool in the arsenal for them. And and for them it worked out. And see, and at the end of the day, the reality is he blew his chance. So with that, you know, with that, I'll lead right into to week two. You know, beyond the, you know, Antonio Brown stuff, you know, listen, week two in the NFL, listen, I think we learned that, listen, the Miami Dolphins right now, yeah, they're done already. And listen, Lamar Jackson had another good game. Listen, 24-37, 272 yards, two touchdowns, and he had 120 yards rushing. And that's the most passing yard and rush rush yards since 1950. Listen, Michael Vick did it for the Eagles back in 2010. He had 242 yards passing and 130 yards rushing. And Randall Cunningham, also for the Eagles in 1990, had 240 yards and 124 yards rushing against the New England Patriots. What Lamar Jackson is doing is special, and I do believe that this Ravens-Chiefs game, it's going to be a high-scoring game because, let's be honest, I don't trust the defenses. And this is where I say, look, it's Pat Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Because on the coaching paper, listen, I could argue it's 
it's more even. It's it's a little bit more even. Listen, John Harbaugh has a Super Bowl ring. Andy Reid's probably the best coach not to have a Super Bowl. They're both very good at being sound and fundamental. When I think of a John Harbaugh team, I think of a team that's just they they can play great on the road. Listen, and I used that stat when I talked about John Harbaugh, how great they are on the road. They're second to the New England Patriots under John Harbaugh on the road. They're very disciplined, very structured. Andy Reid, that offense is just fantastic. This is going to be a matchup of which defense can contain the quarterback. And quite frankly, special teams. Special teams is a, is a big important. It's, so I'm looking forward to that game. But you know who else had a great game? Listen, Russell Wilson, folks. Listen, 29-35, 300 yards, passing, three touchdowns. Listen, he got paid like a guy who, who who should have been paid, I could argue, years ago he should have been paid. I think we could agree that he should have been paid quite some time ago, but nonetheless, here we are. And this is his team. Just like it's Lamar Jackson's team in Baltimore, Pat Mahomes' team in Kansas City. This has always been Russell Wilson's team. So people understand, that Legion of Boom did great, but Russell Wilson was kind of like Ben Roethlisberger relying on that defense early on in the career. You know, got a Super Bowl out of it. But as the defense got older, you had to reshift and refocus. That's what Russell Wilson's doing. Now he's the guy. He's always He is now the guy in the Pacific Northwest. He's the guy. And... And at the end of the day, listen, Dalvin Cook, what else to say? Aaron Jones, another great game. We'll mention him when we come to our fantasy segment. But you know what? I want to go back to the Miami Dolphins for a moment here, folks. Listen, the Miami Dolphins, listen, they have allowed 102 points and only scored 10. That's a negative 92-point differential. Folks, that's the worst point differential through two games in modern NFL history. Tied with the 73 Saints. Folks, there's there's bad. And then there's just bad. And then, well, hey, Dolphin fans, hey, I said it last week. Listen, you might as well throw in Josh Rosen. That lets me know their season is pretty much done. Because, you know, Chris, Chris asked a very good question last week and said, do I think the Dolphins are tanking? And, you know, if you asked me last week, I wouldn't believe it because, you know, it's very hard. It's very hard to tank. But I'm looking at this Dolphins team, and I see they traded Mika Fitzpatrick, probably their best defensive player. And now, you know, the best young defensive player, I should say, and then Xavier Howard, your best your best defensive player, he wants out. He's essentially saying in the prime of his career. Yeah, I think they're tanking because they got to see what they got to get out of Josh Rosen because if, if they could the number one overall pick, depending on the draft board, listen, it's going to be offensive players. It's either going to be Justin Herbert, who's not on there now, but as the season progresses, he'll be there. But you got, listen, Tua, Tua from Alabama. You got Jerry Judy from Alabama. Look, there's, if you're the Miami Dolphins, it's week three, and it's pretty hard to say you got to see what you want. And, and listen, I don't think you should fire Brian Flores. See, Miami Dolphins one time before fired they fired Cam Cameron, who went one in fifteen, because he had a guy named Listen John Beck. Yeah, John Beck. Who's 
who's John Beck, you may ask? Exactly. And they went 1-15. They fired Cam Cameron. You just saw last year how the Arizona Cardinals fired Steve Wilkes, defensive guy, after one year. If I'm Steven Ross, and I'm in, the, I'm not in the business of defending coaches, but listen, this job was bad from the beginning. Why was it bad from the beginning? Here's simply why. There's a reason why Adam Gates got fired because the team was losing down the stretch. It was like five of six. I forget, forget the specifics. They were losing. They were getting terrible at the back end of last year, and quite frankly, they didn't get any better in the offseason because they let a lot of dudes go thinking, okay, they were rebuilding. That was the message in the building we, that we are rebuilding. So you hire Brian Flores under that great Bill Belichick coaching tree. You know, defensive guy. You go out and get a veteran, you know, quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Listen, you know, Fitzmagic. And, folks, that Fitzmagic is, is all fizzled out. So it's all fizzled, fits it or fizzled out, depending how you want to phrase it. It's done. It's garbage. It's over. So you might as well see what you got in Josh Rosen. And at the end of the day, you know, like I said, Chris, you're listening. Yeah, I do think the Miami Dolphins are tanking. And listen, in the in the NFL, listen, if you have to give me the lesser of three evils, if I had to rank sports easier to tank in, the NFL is easy. It's only 16 games. And you can put in scrubs. I'm like, okay, we're done. The second hardest sport, listen, basketball is very hard. Listen, you could tell what a team is tanking because, listen, why are there five D League G League guys starting? Oh, because they don't want to win. Baseball's the hardest sport. Because listen, if you got like nine position players on the mound, oh, what? Excuse me, what? What is? Do you see Mike Trout pitching in the fifth inning? Yeah, they're throwing the season. My point is, is that in the NFL, it's a lot easier to tank, and I do believe the Dodgers are tanking to get picks. Listen, they just got another pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers who, by the way, lost Ben Roethlisberger for the year. So and they lost Big Ben to a right elbow UCL tear. So he's done for the year. So that Pittsburgh pick, when we think that could be like in the you know low mid twenties, could be like the lower mid twenties. That could be a team. That could be a mid. That could be a 15, 16 pick. That could be a, that could be a higher pick. So the Dolphins were sitting around looking like they're chumps. And they got the picks from, from the Houston Texans. Because like I said last week, you know, Tommy Pickles is running the front office in the Houston Texans, you know, giving up the boatload to get him to get Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil. So they're reloading. They're doing what this is, they're doing is reminiscent of what the Oklahoma City Thunder did when they traded away Russell Westbrook. You're getting picks. You're getting assets. Because you know it's going to be a down when you trade away your stars, trade away your best players. you got to get something to rebuild upon. And I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to use all those picks. But they're going to use it to position themselves on the basis of the needs they see in the, um, you know, the offseason. But that's why I say Josh Rosen starting is important because you gave up a second-round pick to see what you can get. And if the Cardinals weren't dopes and not leaked it out, that they were going to draft Kyler Murray, they probably could have got a first-round pick for this year. But that's a whole different story. Here's the thing. You got to see what you get out of Josh Rosen. At the end of the day, if he's your guy, listen, even at 0-16, listen, Troy Eggman, who we'll talk about in a few, 
Listen, Troy Aikman, he went one in fifteen his first year. So, and yet he came back and was a starter. But mind you, he was a rookie. So, you know, give and take that. But my simple point is, is that it's simply this. You got to see what you got to Josh Rosen because, listen, you got to see if Josh Rosen, is, can this, can that pumpkin, can he turn this pumpkin of a franchise and make it look decent, decent enough, or this pumpkin just going to just wither away and just sit like after, you know, after Halloween, you let your pumpkin, pumpkins go to waste. Is that is it, is it that type of situation? So I have zero problems there. And speaking where I have zero problems at, you know, what I can say zero problems, where I have zero problems with the Saints, even though Drew Brees is out with the right thumb UCL spring out six weeks, I have zero problem in the Saints. You know, I have zero problems. In the context of people think that, oh, there's no problems there. Listen, that's the, that's the reason why they got Teddy Bridgewater and they got Taysom Hill. Sean Payton's one of the best offensive minds in football. Listen, he's using the old school Spurrier approach. Listen, the no adage is if you have two quarterbacks, then you don't have a quarterback. But, you know, having these guys, and listen, it's, it's very good. So you're basically forcing the Seahawks to who to plan for. And at the end of the day, I'm assuming Bridgewater is going to start, but you're going to see, you're going to you're going to see Taysom Hill inserted into this offense as well. And I'm not worried about the Saints, but the, for, for teams, you know, like my Falcons, even as bad as the Carolina Panthers, a lot of teams could benefit with Drew Brees out because now you have a chance to gain some ground before he gets back, and probably you know you know may take over depending how healthy he is when he comes back. And this is what I always stress. It's what I always stress is about that quarterback position. Listen, go look at the Jets quarterback situation. I'm sorry, Chris, and I love you, man. But look at the Jets situation. Listen, they might be better off calling Joe Namath back. Because, listen, Trevor Simeon, the guy who you had, who you had to essentially replace, who you had to replace Sam Darnold, is... Is essentially out and he's done. So, so now we're in this situation where, listen, okay, well, Trevor Simmons, our guy, and then, oh, by the way, he gets hurt on Monday night. And he gets, he gets hurt on Monday night, you know, with a left ankle fracture, a dislocation, and he's done. So, now you're stuck with, listen, you got Luke Falk. You know, that's ain't good, great. But but the point is, is that, listen, hmm, you know, is it, is it, is it worth it? Is he, is it right now the situation? Is it, that's, that's the question going on right now. And that's the question going on right now in, in Pittsburgh, excuse me, in for the Jets right now. Is, is that, is our season over? And, Listen, Luke fought. Listen, hey, by the way, he has to play against New England. I don't think the Jets are done because, listen, because they have Le'Veon Bell. And I do believe that Le'Veon Bell will be a very, very good asset to Luke Falk. I really do. But 
folks. Have they talked, checked to see if Joe Name is available? Hell, is Vinny Testaverde available? Because it's going to be, listen, it's going to be bad for the Jets, but it's not going to be as bad as for the Dolphins. It's not going to be as bad, you know, even for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mason Rudolph, I'm not convinced that, you know, for the rest of the season, I think Pittsburgh may make a move. But it's contingent on how well Mason Rudolph plays. And, and speaking of how well a young player played, listen, Daniel Jones is getting the start for the New York Football Giants versus versus the versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, and I know people in New York are like, "Yay, we got!" But this is what I said, folks. I told you, I, folks. Look, just because you see a shiny new toy, you don't have to go out and use it unless. Unless, like, hey, unless you have to. Listen, do you have to drive your Maserati, or in this case, Daniel Jones more like a Miata? When you listen, you got a classic. Listen, you got you like made like that classic pickup truck. It's been beaten up, but it still runs. Listen, you're owing to. Your season's not over. You got Saquon Barkley, but this is this is listen. This is signals to me for the Giants, and I'm gonna, you know, put one of my brown bombs out there I think Pat Shermer may be fired before this season's up because to me it's not a great move because the last guy who sat down Eli Manning Ben McAdont or Macadamia Nut because he's a nut for benching Eli Manning he got out of the job Pat Shermer why are you listen Daniel Jones is not ready Eli Manning 232 starts listen this dude listen People want me, oh, we got, listen, I, you can move on with him after the season. But now, in week two, now we're saying he's done? I think that's a ridiculous and it's irresponsible. But I say, at the end of the day, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be a bad quarterback. I just don't think. When you have Wayne Haskins on the board, you pass him up for him. And I understand that David Cutcliffe, who was Duke quarterback, Excuse me. He was the Duke head coach. And he also was the uh, he also was paid Manning's coordinator at the University of Tennessee. So there's a lot of connection between the Mannings and and the Giants. There's a lot of connections. And see, at the end of the day, I just don't see Daniel Jones being a franchise guy. Look, I'm not saying I can go out there and sling it around and read defenses. All. No, I'm simply saying is that you pull a move like this when your season's over. Listen, Brian Flores says, listen, that's why he put Josh Rosen in because he knows the season is done in week two. Folks, it's like a Tyson fight in the 80s. You know it's over in 30 seconds. Like, you know it. Like, don't get up. If you keep getting getting up, keep knocking you down. That's going to be, that's going to, that's the season for the Miami Dolphins. Fitzpatrick, listen, had no business starting. Listen, you, you saw what you saw, you move on. Eli Manning. I think is a better team, you know, way better team than the Dolphins. You don't bench them, and I think it's irresponsible. Simply because you pull a move like that, unless you feel the season's done. This is what I say for, the, for Washington Redskins. They got Dwayne Haskins. Unless the season goes upside down, you're not going to see Dwayne Haskins play, barring an injury. You protect your assets. You protect your franchise quarterback. And listen. If you move on with Eli after the year, I had no problem. 
listen, even if you go 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, you throw this kid out there, can he do any better than that? Not a lot of rookies can jump jump in there and just be fantastic. That Gardner Minshew, listen, he's going to hit that wall at some point for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars. At the at the end of the day, folks, I just don't see the Giants are panicking. The Giants, the Giants feel the sky is falling and the sky is still looking great. And mind you, it's New York, and I get it. Listen, I, I understand, but folks, Pat Shermer is going to be murmuring to himself, like, well, why the hell did I bench Eli? Yeah. Listen, I understand, folks, and I get it. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. And I put the poll up on the Sports in the World Facebook page, and a lot of you were split on it. You know, that yes and no. I think he is. Listen, folks, he's eighth in passing touchdowns. And here are the dudes that are ahead of him. His brother, Peyton, Brady, Breeze, Favre, Marino, Rivers, Big Ben. They have more touchdown passes than the Eli Manning. Who Here are those who Eli Manning has more touchdown passes than Elway, Moon, Unitas, and Fouts. So, oh, by the way, he has more than Jim Plunkett, who has two Super Bowls, too. But I'm not going to get into that also. And folks, at the end of the day, listen. And he's seventh in passing yards. Same dudes. Manning, Brady, Breeze, Favre, Marino, Rivers, Big Ben. It's the same seven dudes. And he still, Eli has more passing yards than Warren Moon, Fran Tarkenton, Joe Montana, and Johnny Unitas. And folks, here's the stat of the day. I want to thank the folks here at Think the folks at 538, folks, here's the reality. Look, Eli Manning, listen, his Super Bowl, his QBR, his quarterback rating was 100.1 in his two Super Bowl years. Every other year that he was not in the Super Bowl, 61.8. The differential of 38.3. That's the second highest of all time. You know who's number one on that list? Troy Aikman. In his three Super Bowls. The years he won three Super Bowls, listen, 112.6 QBR. Every other year, 64. Differential, 48.6. So this dude, listen, it's like a postseason picture. It's what I say. I use it this way. People may not like Kurt Schilling, but he should be in the Hall of Fame because he did in the postseason. And I say, at the end of the day, some players, you put in the Hall of Fame what they did in the postseason because their numbers are going to be better. And, of course, they should. It's why, like, as good as A-Rod is, and, and Chris made a great point, as, as great as Alex Rodriguez was, here's the problem. When it came to the postseason, couldn't get it done. You just couldn't get it done. And at the end of the day, that's, that was the reality of the situation. You just couldn't get it done when the postseason came. But yet, you know, we, you know it doesn't take away from A-Rod, the player, but he just couldn't get it done in the postseason. Eli Manning has. He had his best years in the Super Bowl year. Every other year he wasn't he was average, but he got two Super Bowls. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowls and he's in the Hall of Fame. Troy Aikman, the guy above him, in point different, you know, in QBR differentials in the Hall of Fame. Oh, and his brother, you know, Mr. Owen Four at Tennessee versus Florida, Peyton Manning. In those in those Super Bowl years, Peyton Manning had, he was 72.3 his QBR. Every other year was 92.1. 
negative 19.7. He was the bottom of this list with, with quarterbacks including John Elway, Terry Bradshaw, the aforementioned Jim Plunkett. All of these dudes had had a better QBR and Super Bowl years. His was only, only one in the negative. Whereas he played better in the regular season than he did in the postseason. And folks, go look at his record. He's a sub-500 in the postseason. So, once again, folks, but yeah, his brother's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest of all. I'm not taking anything away from, from Mr. 0-4 versus Florida. I'm not taking nothing away from him. But at the end of the day, those are the numbers and those are the facts. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. And and for all of those saying, I'm gonna, I want to go back real quick. For all of those are saying, and you can hit me up on the social media, at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram, the Facebook page, Sports and the World. Like, listen, you can hit me up and say otherwise, but at the end of the day, folks, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. If you're saying it's literally the same seven dudes, the same seven dudes, and and we consider all those seven dudes, either they're in the Hall of Fame or they're going to be in the Hall of Famers. If you're telling me that Eli does it, folks, stop. Stop. It's like those who I have to say with Colin Kaepernick. Is he, you know, being a quarterback in the league again? Like the people, stop. Listen, Colin Kaepernick, 3-16 and 16 his last two years. He had a great quarterback. He had a great touchdown to interception ratio. But, folks, he couldn't get it done the last two years as a starter. Because, listen, when, listen people say, oh, it's about the kneel. And, yeah, but go look at his record. He's talented, but he's not. He can back up. Does Colin Kaepernick want to be a backup? And speaking of backing up, and I hope everyone got my point on Kaepernick. Folks, just go look at the numbers. That's all I ask. Speaking of numbers, speaking of numbers, let, let's talk about week three in college football. Folks, a lot of great numbers brought by a lot of great players. So let's get into it. You know, Gator Nation, you know, I know Chris pumping his hands. He's clapping. Listen, we won 29 29-21. Listen, Felipe Franks, he went in the third quarter, dislocated right knees out for the season. But listen, you know, Kyle Trask, he came in there 9 to 126 yards. He had a rushing touchdown. Folks, you know, what I always say is, and it goes back to what I said earlier, the Noah effect. You got to have two of everything that's good. You got to have it. You got to have two of everything that's good. You got to have at least two good quarterbacks. And listen, Felipe Franks unfortunately went down, sending prayers to him to get healthy and, and to get healthy soon. But listen, Kyle Trask, Redshirt Jr. understands. And then we have a third string in Emory Jones. So, and if you read what Dan Mullen read the tea leaves, that, you know, they both, you might see some Emory Jones on Saturday as well. But here's the thing. And listen, Mark Stoops, the Kentucky head coach, listen, he blamed the refs. Folks, here's why you can't blame the refs. Sawyer Smith, he threw three interceptions. UK, he threw three of, of Kentucky's four turnovers. Listen, and, and by the way, Mark, this, this falls on you as well. You blew a 
fourth quarter lead. Your kicker chance as in poor as in poor accuracy. Missed a 35-yard field goal with 54 seconds left in the fourth quarter. You make that field goal, you're up two. And you're forcing us to drive down the field to get a field goal to win. So go look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror. Drop the KFC. Listen, go get some of that KFC chicken. Hit that game room. Fix your mistakes before you blame the refs. And for Florida, once again, listen, Van Jefferson, seven receptions, 93 yards, and Josh Hammond on that run, baby, I was cheering. One rush, 76 yards, and ran it all the way back to Gainesville to get the hell out of Lexington and pick up another win to pick up another win. And we're going to get to their game in Tennessee when we get there. But speaking of another great game, listen, USC and BYU, listen, another I went to overtime. BYU, BYU pulled it out. Listen, USC had three turnovers. You know, Slovis is great at the game. He had one of those turnovers in that overtime. BYU kicked the field goal and win. BYU didn't have any turnovers. They, had, they got to the quarterback twice. Listen, the total offense in this game, 452 to 430. Listen, in total offense. So BYU, you know, BYU see the great offenses. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what I say about what I said about Clay Helton. Clay Helton, as great as a dude as he is and as great as a coach, folks, I said he once, you shouldn't have brought him back. Not because I thought he was terrible, but, folks, he benefited. Hey, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's what I felt like oh, what Ed Ogeron was to LSU. But, you know, Big Ed, like I said, Big Ed's auto sales. That dude can sell ice to an Eskimo. That dude can sell anything at Baton Rouge. Because of that big win versus Texas. Listen, Clay Helton, Clay Helton, listen, I've always said it. Listen, it just didn't feel right. Listen, at the end of the day, I just truly do believe that the big, the bigger question will become, and this is, this is a very important question. If he can't beat Utah, I think that with Lynn Swan, the AD, resigned last week, this week, I can't recall. There's no loyalty to body in that athletic department to Clay Helton, and you could promote Graham Harrell as the interim head coach. I just see it as a downward spiral. Even though they lost their quarterback, it just didn't feel right to have Clay Helton there. It just didn't feel right. Speaking of not, you know, speaking of instead of, not feeling right, they're feeling right. Washington State is feeling real good. Listen, Washington State won a close game at NRG Stadium. Listen, Uncle Mike Leach, that, that drunk uncle at your party, listen, he got himself another great quarterback in Anthony Gordon, the list of Gordon Minshew the second, and as well as Luke Falk. Listen, Anthony Gordon was 36 of 48, 440 yards, three touchdowns and interception. They have 489 yards of total offense. In Houston, listen, they outgained Washington State 239 to 49 on the ground. Your leading rusher was your quarterback, De'Eric King. That's not always a great formula. Listen, the Pac-12 was getting a lot more interesting. Where that's why I say that Utah USC game we will talk about will be important. There's, there's a lot of important games now in the Pac-12 where you could have there's three or four teams that could contend for a Pac-12 title. 
And speaking of another Pac-12 team, listen, I, I had my money on Stanford. And I apologize to my buddy Jonathan. He's a big UCF guy. I thought they were going to drop the ball, but they didn't. Listen, Stanford got ran out of Spectrum Stadium. You know, 45 to 27. Stanford had no sacks. Cameron Scarlett, the running back, only held to 45 yards. Dylan Gabriel, folks, 22 at 30, 347 yards, four touchdowns. And Greg McRae, the running back, his 10th consecutive game with at least a rushing touchdown. Listen, this listen, this is UCF team. Listen, I know I rag on them. And listen, I may not go as far as to say they're the best team in Florida. I'm not gonna pump those brakes yet. Let's say to be able to pump, you know, pump the brakes on that. But, you know, UCF, listen, if they start blowing, listen, they have to blow out, blow out people because of their conference. And that's the one thing I stressed is just that, listen, sometimes you have to do what like Boise State did a couple, you know, about 10 years ago, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where we know how great, great they were, but they had to blow out the blowout teams in their conference because if they were to lose one game, like they're, they're going from playing, you know, playing on New Year's, you know, playing, you know, the Sugar Bowl to playing in the Toilet Bowl because because their conference and their strength of schedule. And speaking of strength of scheduling and speaking of toilet bowls, listen, this is for you, Chris. Listen, listen, for the record, full discretion, I have a lot of great friends who are FSU fans, Bethany. If you're listening, Bethany, you know, Jackie, you know, I know a lot of FSU fans. My cousin, you know, you know, a couple of you know, a couple of cousins are FSU fans. Look, I want somebody to explain to me. That listen, last year the defense wasn't a problem. Now, your third straight, this is the third straight game, all three of your games, you've given up at least 400 yards defensively. Boise, 621, UL Monroe, 419, and UVA, you gave up 415. Listen, Cam Akers, you know, he has the mo- he leads the nation in, listen, plays from scrimmage. Listen, it's not Cam Akers' problem. You're allowed, you know, that defense is bad. And listen, the offense got better under Kendall Bryles. That bringing over that Houston style offense, the University of Houston. But folks, they just can't stop anybody. Folks, it's like it's like they're on the listen, it's like a train track and it ain't stopping to pick up people. They're just getting bulldozed. It's like a building just getting bulldozed. Like, folks. It's, it's 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 a horror show to watch it, but listen, Virginia, two turnovers, you know. But listen, Bryce Perkins, listen, he threw for two ninety five. He had both those turnovers. Florida State had chances to win this game. Listen, and I could argue. Listen, people thought that was a blowout. This game, this game was close. And and if if I'm Willie Taggart, you know, Chris said it, Mia Khalifa said it. And I'm going to say, listen, it's time to fire Willie Taggart. And the only reason why I say that is, folks, it's always something. Just when you have, you're fixing the offense, you, now the defense wants to fall to shambles. It's like when you fix one part of your house, and other parts of the house wants to decide to mess up. That's FSU right now. It's like, it's like, a, like a relationship where, you know, you know, you got, you think you're good with your spouse. You're like, hey, you got it. Hey, you went out, you did your thing, and all of a sudden something else comes up. 
And now you got to figure that out. Same situation, folks. Same situation. But listen. But speaking of coaches and, you know, questionable decisions, I want to go to, listen, I told you at the back end of last week when I talked about college football preview, Arizona State at Michigan State, listen, Arizona State won 10 to, you know, 10-7. Arizona State, they, they were held to 216 total yards. Michigan State had 404 total yards. If I were to tell you that, you would have thought Michigan State would have won the game. Well, like my buddy Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend. Michigan State, one offensive touchdown for the second time in three weeks. For the second time in three weeks, folks. Here's the thing. They didn't score until the fourth quarter. And listen, in those games when they had an offensive touchdown, listen, the, listen, it's 14 and 10 penalties respectively. Double-digit penalties. Now, in that one win, listen, they only had two. But when they lose, they become undisciplined. They had 13 guys in the field for the field goal, and that's discipline. That's discipline. As a veteran coach, that's on them. This, ain't, no, this is not like how it was with the University of Miami with Manny Diaz. As, once again, a lot of Chris is going to come up because I miss you, buddy. He brought it up when I said, you know, Chris said, wait a minute. You know, listen, it's communication. But for, for Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio, listen, the reason why we're not talking about Mark D'Antonio the way we're talking about Willie Taggart, because Mark D'Antonio has a track record of winning. Listen, last year they won three games. And all of a sudden, listen, but look, this year they're two and one. But we're not talking about Willie Taggart because it's the way Willie Taggart loses. And Mark D'Antonio is getting to that point. It's going to be the way you lose these games. Like, look, you got to find a way. You got to find a way. To, listen, you outplayed Arizona State literally. You didn't get your first offensive touchdown to the, to the fourth quarter. But Arizona made one play, and that's all they need, and got a field goal and won the game. And then, once again, another Browns clown. Just like Mark Stoops, you're going to blame the ref. Listen, you had 13 dudes on the field. You only had one offensive touchdown. Oh, yeah, that's the ref's fault. Yeah, that's all the ref. Folks, you know, that's just like, you know, just like if you get caught robbing a bank and, and you blame, oh, well, they didn't hand me the money fast enough. What? Look, yeah, but isn't that wrong too? Yeah, you blame the refs is wrong because you look at the tape. Look at the, look where you rob a bank. Oh well, I got you. Listen, well, I, I no, bro, it's on tape. Mark Antonio, it's on tape. There was thirteen dudes on the field. You had a baker's dozen on the field. You blew it. Stop blaming the refs. Last time I checked, refs can't listen. Hey, Saint fans, I keep telling you the same thing. Drew Brees threw that interception in overtime. Hashtag look it up. And speaking of hashtag look it up, Kansas. I have to give a shout out to Kansas. They beat Boston College 48-24. to 24. Here's the thing. Kansas, they won their first road game, which is a Power 5 opponent. Since 2008, they were 40 straight losses versus Power 5 opponents. 
listen, BC, they were shut up in the second half. You know, you know, hats off to the Mad Hatter Les Miles eating some of that good old fashioned grass. Because listen, they're not feeling too crass right now when you eat that grass, folks. So, you know, a big shout out to them. And now, listen, here we are. And now let's just get to some of listen week four and some of the to, to me some of the more important games. As I mentioned, Utah at USC. Utah three and a half favorite. That's a, that's on to be on on Friday. Listen, the quarterbacks. Listen for Utah, Tyler Huntley and for Keaton Slovis. They're fifth and sixth in pass completion. They're both hovering around 77, 78 percent. They're both accurate. Listen, Utah. They're sixth in total defense. They're sixth. But however, in total offense, folks, they're 65th. And for USC, they're 66th in total defense, and they're fourth in total offense. So it's a better balance. But here's the thing. Utah hasn't beat USC at LA since 1916. And folks, you're asking, well, there's what happened in 1916? The Queen, the Queen of England, she was 10 years old. The TV was invented. The pop-up toast, also 10 years old. And Betty White was six years old the last time. The last time Utah beat the Trojans in L.A. And for for that pop-up toast, that's the thing I took away from. Listen, get a couple of Pop-Tarts and some toast. Listen, folks. You know, I'm a strawberry Pop-Tart guy. I don't know what, what flavor you guys like. Hit me up at that Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. The Facebook page, what kind of Pop-Tarts do you guys like? Or you're not Pop-Tart people at all. I don't know. But in this game, I do expect Utah to win. Because like I said, I just think that I think Utah has to figure it out. I think Utah, they want to make a move. you got to make a move in conference play now. you got to make a move. Your first conference, you got to make a move. You can't. Because listen, when you got teams like Washington coming, Oregon, you gotta you got to win. You got to win the ones, especially on the road. So I'm going to pick Utah by a field goal. And staying in the Pac-12, listen, a noon start for Saturday, Cal at Ole Miss. Listen, this is Cal's first road game versus an SEC opponent since 2006. And it's their second road trip to the SEC in nearly 32 years. Justin Wilcox, you know, he left Tennessee, smart dude right there. Listen, he's made this a defensive team. Like I said earlier, the Pac-12 defenses are coming. They're investing investing in defense. In old, old Miss, they're 83rd in offense. They're with their 40th in total defense. So once again, SEC defense rearing its head. Cal is 33rd in total defense, and they're 95th in total offense. And when you're going on the road, because right now, I look at the matchup, it's going to be can Cal's off 95th in the nation's offense somehow – Win over, you know, a hearty toddy over Old Miss. But I'm going to go with Old Miss. I'm going to go with Old Miss. Even though they lost early to a garbage team, I'm going to still trust Old Miss. And listen, the game that Chris is probably yelling at, Michigan and at Wisconsin. And listen, I back Wisconsin. Excuse me, I back Michigan. Because Michigan's like the person, like you give that reference in a resume. Like you need the reference. Oh, I'll give them a reference. But some people, let's folks, uh, listen, when you give out a reference for somebody and they don't tell you the full story, yeah, they say that's Michigan. 
the Michigan t- didn't tell me they're going to be garbage against Army. That they would put up 2.4 yards rushing against Army. You know, nobody, listen, uh, they lied to me. On the, they lied to me. They said, trust us. This is the game. Listen, if you want me to, if you want to keep me as your reference, you got to beat Wisconsin, folks. Michigan is 70th in rush yards per game. Wisconsin is 35th behind Jonathan Taylor, Heisman candidate Jonathan Taylor. Wisconsin defense is first. They haven't allowed a point. They only played two games. You know, Michigan, listen, the Michigan defense, they're 51st. They allow 21 points a game. Listen, Harbaugh is 2-1 versus Wisconsin. Oh, by the way, the only loss was at Wisconsin two years ago. And for the sake of my resume and for the sake of all that's right with the world, I have to stick. I have to roll with Michigan. Michigan needs this because, folks, listen, Notre Dame is looming. There's a Penn State is looming. They need some wins, some big wins. And they got to – and listen, this is a big game for Wisconsin. At home at Camp Randall. But I expect Michigan to somehow pull it out because, listen, this, this what year can't you do it? Listen. This is, you know, no more excuses over there in Ann Arbor. Listen, number nine, Auburn at number 15, Texas A&M. Look, 3.30 kickoff. The underdog has won four of the last six games. That's good news for Auburn because they're four-point underdogs. I want to talk about the quarterbacks here. Listen, Bo Nix, the freshman, I talked about with Auburn. My concern was the quarter quarterback with Bo Nix. Bo Nix, 44-84, 545, four TDs, two interceptions. But listen, Kellen Mund. You, you can say slightly better, 63 of 97, 747 yards. And he has five touchdowns, three interceptions. So it's an interesting matchup there. But I want to talk about the defenses. Auburn's defense, they'll have 3.2 yards rushing again. That's 39th. Texas A&M, 3.3. That's 42nd. So I expect a nice close matchup there. But uh, I'm listen, I'm going to go with Auburn. I'm going with Auburn. I think Auburn down the stretch, they they're going to, they need some wins. They need momentum. I think they get it at College Station. Notre Dame at Georgia, folks, not much to say. 13 and a half spread. Listen, Notre Dame's 0-4 under Brian Kelly. Three losses by 14 points or more. Listen, Notre Dame is 1-17 versus top five since the millennium, since the year 2000. I was going to say the year 2000, but I'm thinking of Jonas Brothers. My mistake. And here's the thing. And you want another great Brian Kelly fact? Sure. But there's what's your Brian Kelly fact? Brian Kelly, the last time he played a, a listen, a, a rank, you know, a, a ranked team, three to three lost to Clemson in the college football playoff. So there you go. And by the way, Georgia is 34 and 17 versus other conferences. Notre Dame is, listen, there's 29 and 19 versus the SEC. It's respectable. But folks, here's the reality. I expect Georgia to blow them out because the only advantage that I feel Notre Dame has is on the edges, you know, Khalid Kareem. But listen, running back is not even close. Quarterback, I get from the edge. Coaching, I, I give Kirby Smart the edge. So listen, listen, Notre Dame on the road is not the same team in South Bend in recent years. Listen, ergo, 0-4 to Brian Kelly. Three losses by 14 points, and the spread is 13 and a half. Listen, give me Georgia to win by at least 20, at least. And finally, for Chris, for you, buddy, Tennessee at Florida. Folks, new kickoff. Thanks a lot, Tennessee. Hashtag Rocky stop. 
UF has won seven consecutive games so far. But listen, my concern, listen, LaMichael Piran, the last game, I was super concerned, quite frankly. Listen, we had 14 rushes, 27 yards. He did have a touchdown, though. But here's the thing. Tennessee's last one of the swap was in 2003. And listen, who's quarterback for the, for UF then? Ingle Martin and Chris Leak. Who was Tennessee's quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Clausen's yeah, yeah, he had a brother. Yeah. He's he's like the Billy listen, he's like the listen. He's like the Roger Clinton or the uh listen, whatever, you know, the Billy, yeah, whatever, folks. It's the it's the brothers you don't talk about, Casey Clausen. Yeah, but he beat Florida. But also in 2003, listen. Lionel Messi debuted for FC Barcelona. Agassi was the number one tennis player in the world. Wow. Mr. Bald himself. And for you, for you, Derek, Ohio State beat Miami for the BCS National Championship 2003. So it was a great year all around. But listen, we're living in 2019. That UF defense, fourth in the SEC in opponent points per game. 13.7. Tennessee is ninth, like 22.3 yards. Only question is, which offensive line would rise? I'm still not in love with the offensive line for Florida. We got to pick it up. You know, Kyle Trask, and we might see some Emory Jones, so I'm looking forward to that also. But I feel that, listen, I expect Florida to win big. Because, listen, I told you about Tennessee. You lost to a 2-10 Georgia State team, and you lost to a BYU team that you had beat. Folks, listen, that's the facts, and that's the reality of the situation. Because, see, at the end of the day, it's about who you roll with and about who you go with. And my, at the end of the day, I'm going to roll with my Gators. I know Chris is probably, you know, he's he, he's going with the Gators also. Folks, at the end of the day, Dan Mullen's a better coach than Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt took this job because 15 of the dudes didn't take it. It's like, I always put it this way. If you wonder why you walk into an interview and they automatically hire you without looking at your resume, you'd question the job. Because either A, it's illegal, or B, they just want bodies in there. Listen, they needed a coach. Listen, Lane Kiffin, listen, they ran him out of Knoxville. Derek Dooley, like, like Derek Dudley Do-Right. Gone. Listen, I just expect Florida to do well. I expect this to be a situation for the SEC. The SEC, you know, and I could argue the Pac-12 is on full display. It's on absolute full display. And and one of the things is, and also the takeaway is, look, Michigan, I gave you a reference. Make me look good. Listen, I've given up reference before and bit me in the derriere. I don't want, listen, Jim Harbaugh and in your khakis and your 10-pound steaks, I need you to beat Paul Chris and I need you to beat Wisconsin at noon. I need you to because, listen, because, if I because listen, Chris is going to come, listen, he's going to blast you next week. And I can't defend you, okay? I can't keep defending you in open court when you keep playing like, if you keep, listen, prove the critics wrong. Get back on track because listen, you got a couple of gimme games, but you got you got Penn State. You got a lot of couple of gimme games. You got Wisconsin. Excuse me. 
You got Illinois. You got a couple of gimme games. So let's figure it out. And transitioning from college, now back to the pros with some fantasy football advice. And like I mentioned at the top, you know, like I mentioned, hey, Chris, I'm sorry. I'm 2-0. Thanks to you. You know, thank you, Julio. And thank you, Russ, so much. Checks are in the mail. I meant gift baskets are in the mail. Gift baskets. But, you know, I want to give you, and these are all PPR-related stats, so I hope these help you out. Listen. In week two, if you had Aaron Jones, listen, I think Matt LaFleur is starting to run the ball more. And whether Aaron Rodgers is going to admit it or not, it's going to help him play action to get those big plays to other fantasy, you know, studs like Devontae Adams. And I think to a degree, Geronimo Allison and, you know, Scatling, you know, it's going to help them. So, but Aaron Jones, listen, the last two weeks, he's got almost 25 points of fantasy football points. Listen, Demarcus Robinson, he had six receptions, 172 last week. So, with two touchdowns. And listen, he's going to end up probably being, like I say, that maybe that second receiver behind Sammy Watkins. You know, listen, you got Hill, Watkins, and listen, Marvins. So, you have talent there. But to give some love to the tight ends, another stud. Listen, Mark Andrews, listen. And that high, you know, with Marquise Hollywood Brown and, you know, you know, listen, John, listen, Mark Andrews is a solid tight end, a very solid tight end, a very good, good weapon, just like every good quarterback needs a, every good young quarterback needs a running game, but also a security blanket that's for a tight end, you know, just like with Dak to Witten and how Romo was, you know, you need that great, how Witten was to Romo, that tight end can be a great comfort blanket to young, old, and in-between intermediate quarterbacks. Here's the stuff who just flat out are terrible. And I, listen, Mitch Trubisky, I said once, I said it again, he's not a franchise quarterback. He's 29th among fantasy football options. He has no touchdown passes. Listen, Julian Edelman, I'll chalk it up to, listen, you know, you know, it's the, it was the Dolphins, but I'll chalk it up to, listen, the guy, was, he's going to get more touches because the guy who got the touchdown is no longer there. And Antonio Brown and Austin hang with Mr. Hooper had four receptions, 34 yards up with six targets. And even that game against the Eagles, you know, Julio, Ridley, Matty Ice, you know, those were the bigger. But listen, Hooper, I think season of – listen, that tight end will become a great weapon. And listen, for the week three, listen, the start and sits, you know, listen, it's easy for me to say Miami start – you know, if you're playing Miami, start everybody. But I'm going to give you two specifics. Start Dak. Miami allows 32.7 points, fantasy points versus the court versus quarterbacks. Zeke, Miami allows 29.7 versus running backs. And you know what? I'm going to put famous Jameis back up on here. The Giants allow all 27.8 fantasy points versus quarterbacks. This is a great opportunity for Jameis Winston to get under. Listen, did he ha- did he have? The greatest game, and I go back when he listen for the for the Niners. No, it wasn't a great game. It's a chance for redemption, and I do believe that he can redeem himself against a very very bad Giants defense, who's right now young quarterback. So listen, that defense might be on the field a lot longer. Defense, 
wears down, I think he becomes a great option. And I suggest that you have him. Listen, like I mentioned with, with Dak, Zeke, and Winston, start him. Like, don't, don't overthink it. If you have him, start him. And also, Greg Olson, listen, Arizona allows almost 23 points versus tight end. And, you know, in some leagues, would you believe that he's, you know, it's like at 60, he's not, you know, I think he's going to do is he'd be like 80, 85% available. But his health, he's probably a major factor. PPR, this dude's going to give you the points because Arizona, but listen, and that's even without, you know, Cam Newton starting. You know, reportedly he may be out. So he's a great weapon. I think great weapon for whoever thinks, I think it's Will Greer, I believe, who I suggest you don't play. Here's some guys that you got to sit. Listen, Teddy Bridgewater, I, I, I hyped him up. I talked about him. Listen, when it comes to Seattle, Seattle, they pressured the quarterback on 18.3% of pass plays since week 12 of the 2018 season. And that's fifth best in the NFL. Listen, Pete Carroll and that defense, listen, it's not Legion of Boom. It's Legion of Hmm, because we don't know how great they're going to be. But take them at face value. Take them, you know, listen, I take that defense at face value. And that goes for Taysom Hill as well. If Listen, I highly doubt that, you know, you may have Bridgewater or you may have you may have gotten picked up Bridgewater if you had like Ben Roethlisberger or you had Sam Dawn if you had a guy who got knocked out. But if you didn't listen, some guys that have Teddy, he's owned about less than 10% of the league. So for those who do have him, I'd sit him and go with your next best option. Let's go with anybody else would probably be better option there. And listen, the Colts defense, they're facing the Atlanta Falcons. Julio, Matty Ice, Calvin Ridley, Sanu, they had all great fantasy numbers. And listen, even in, you know, even at one and one, I, you know, they, you know, especially Matty Ice and Julio, they put up great numbers even in that game against Minnesota week one. And then they just did very well in week two versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Colts defense, I think, you know, I think Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett to me is really 50-50. I mean, it goes back to my Teddy Bridgewater argument. If if you have, listen, if you gave me a choice, listen, I still wouldn't, if you have Mitch Trubisky, and that often you have Mitch Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, and or Jacoby Brissett, I would say start Jacoby Brissett because, listen, I'm a Falcons fan, that defense, listen, that pass defense, listen, we face Kirk Cousins, listen, but then we had to deal with Carson Wentz. But my simple point is, is that if you have that Colts defense, don't start him. Jacoby Brissett, I would suggest you sit unless you, listen, start unless you have a better option. And also, listen, Robbie Anderson for the Jets, and I'm sorry, Chris, listen, the Patriots, they allow only four, 14 points versus wide receiver, and listen, it's going to be a rough, rough spell unless Luke Falk ends up like Garden Minshew because that's going to be the problem for them in my estimation is is trying to create continuity. And listen, Damaris Thomas, don't, don't, don't even put him out there. Don't. And also, you know, you know, and another guy, listen, and I, and I debated between, other guys to sit. I'd also sit Derek Carr at Minnesota. That I respect that defense. As I mentioned, they held Matty Ice. Even though 300 yards, they and you know, and they they also face Aaron Rodgers. I think of the quarterbacks they faced the last two weeks. 
I was listening, Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, I would say sick because Oakland, I I don't necessarily think that Kirk 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 Kissing Cousins is listen, once again, for the same reason. I just think Kirk Kirk Cousins is just not that good. He's just not that good. You know, he's maybe slightly better than Trubisky, but that's just like saying, that's like saying, would you rather get kicked? Would you like, would you rather get shot or, or you know, would you rather have zucchini or asparagus? Me, I wouldn't either. But that's literally options. But listen, I do got a couple of sleepers for you. Look, Devin Smith, listen, Jason Garrett said it after last week's game. Obviously, we'll play him more. Why would you play him more? Listen, he listen. I know he had, you know, he had twenty three fantasy points, twenty three point four fantasy points, three receptions, seventy four touchdowns. Touchdown. He's going to get probably. He may be the second or third receiver. Michael Gallup is going to be out a couple of weeks. So you, of course you got Amari Cooper, but Devin Smith. Listen, it's the Dolphins. So you know if they're focusing on, you know, if literally eleven players are focused on Amari Cooper. You know, Devin Smith, creates options there for him. You know, listen, T.J. Yeldon, look, I really, you know, for Buffalo, uh, listen, I know I get a lot of flight. Listen, listen, they're playing Cincinnati. Listen, Cincinnati, they've averaged 100, they have an average of 169.2 yards from scrimmage since they've given up that. 169.2 yards from scrimmage since last season. Folks, you know, uh, listen. You, I would start Frank Gore as well, but TJ well, TJ Yeldon is more of that backfield option as well. The pass catcher coming out of the backfield, so I would take that as well. And listen, Kyler Murray. Listen, that Carolina defense—they've allowed 128 passing yards in the red zone since 2008. That's the seventh most. I think that this game's going to be a lot closer if Cam Newton doesn't play. And from the reports I've seen, that he may not play, and that it might be Will Greer. So I think that's an option to look at as well. And to kind of go back to listen for a couple of week three guys to start: Josh Allen for Cincinnati, and John Brown for Cincinnati, and Le'Veon Bell. And this is an interesting one because New England. I've always said, even when I pick them, they cannot. Their defense is good, not great, especially against the run. Listen, you know, you know, they have Gilmore. They have great options in the passing, but in terms of that front seven, there's not enough there to, you know, there's not there's not enough there. And I think Le'Veon Bell, once again, he's going to get a, probably at least 20, 25 carries, and they're not including them catching yards from scrimmage in the backfield. He's a great PPR option because I just I just believe that Luke Falk need that's his safety net. That's going to be the guy you have to rely on. If they have the Jets have any chance of winning this game, any chance, unless they cancel the game and they play the game on the moon and Tom Brady misses his flight, Bill, that's the only way. Literally, the only way the Jets, I feel, can win this game is if they say, you know what, if New England says, you know what, we're good. And unless the Jets hand them a bag of money. But I don't see none of that happening. So in that case, you got to start Le'Veon Bell. So once again, that's your week two studs and duds. Week three starts sit and your week three sleepers. So once again, these are all for PPR. 
And you know what? If you're focused on defense, listen, no brainer. Start that Dallas defense. Start, and I would argue, start that Buffalo defense. I have to make that decision on my team. So, and with that, you know, that's the episode. And, you know, hopefully my buddy Chris, he'll be back here co-hosting, rocking and rolling. And most importantly, I'll just leave you with the one last thing. And I just want to back up what I said about Antonio Brown. I stand by what I said is that, look, I go back and look at the tape. It was a hot take. I said he wasn't going to play the full season or maybe half the season. Because, listen, when you're a distraction, and this this, this is a life lesson. I don't don't think that you're not don't think that you're too high above the clouds that you can be yanked down, because I've seen it before in sports. We've all seen it in sports. We've all seen it in life. We know the couple of people who think that man, they can walk on water, they can turn, my gosh, they can forty loaves and fish. They think they can do anything, but when they're Ego, his or her ego gets the best of them, they lose. And I think I talked about this with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen was on the number one show on television. He was the highest paid guy on television. He was making $2 million a year. And Chuck Lorre, the executive producer and creator of the show, two and a half men, he let him tag. He let okay, okay, Charlie's being Charlie. Just in the same way, you know, listen, teams let T-O-B-T-O. And like, like for a certain degree, how Pittsburgh let ABBAB. But what, but what happened? Charlie Sheen talked about the boss. That's the line. Like I said, that he crossed the line and he got fired. And we got Aston Kutcher and and the, uh, you you know the rest. But, but I want to remind people that listen, don't ever think that you can be too high that you can't be dragged down. People can pull ladders and chairs underneath you, and you're either hanging there or you're going to have a hard fall. And I think Antonio Brown learned a lesson, and, I, and I'm making another statement. I don't think, and listen, I said it before, and I stand by he's not going to play another down in the league unless, unless he figures it out. I believe in second chances, but this dude's had three. And yet people rip Michael Vick when he did, you know, for Philly for getting a second chance. And listen, I'm not saying the two situations are the same, but I do, I do believe in second chances. But AB's had three, like I said, with Pittsburgh, Oakland. This is his third opportunity. I I, I can sit here and argue four because essentially Pittsburgh basically was willing to keep him after he sat out the last game of the season. That could have probably got them to 500. But he sat out, he quit on them. And we can say what we want to about, like I said, what about Randy Moss? Randy Moss. Randy Moss didn't have off off the field stuff. He wanted out of Oakland. Like I said it, I said it earlier. He wanted out. Because the organization was bad. Pittsburgh's not a bad organization. Listen, you know, the coaching and the discipline may be, you know, structurally in flux, but the structure is there that it works. I should say the discipline could be in flux, but the structure is there. To Antonio Brown, once again, innocent to proven guilty. But to New England, you're, New England, it's a brand. They don't want that on their team. And I knew that. Because Bill Belichick literally walked out of a press conference when he told Antonio Brown. He just walked out. We're not going to talk about the Jets. He walked out. It's like, yeah, we're not. 
like with me, if, we, if I have a press conference, we ain't talking about food, sports. Listen, I'm walking out. Or my love of, listen, listen, or we're not talking about, no, you're out. So, so Bill Belichick, I could argue, you know, he was the he was Thanos to AB's universe. He just he just destroyed it. Because at the end of the day, now no team may not want to sign him. Like just like in New York, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. If you can't make it in New England, you can't make it anywhere. Speaking of making it, I'm gonna make that my final thought. And thank you all once again for listening here to Sports in the World Football Edition. Enjoy your football week. And me and Chris will be back here listening to where you and I will be together listening on Sports in the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius. Be real. Be you. Be blessed.